This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. You can listen to us on AM 740, or if you're in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. And joining us again this morning, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti, former Toronto Maple Leaf and Washington Capitol and Buffalo Sabre. Good morning, Lou. Good morning and Happy New Year to all you out there. And Happy New Year to you and, of course, Happy New Year to all our listeners. I noticed that you are, of course, wearing and sporting your uh, usual Alabama T-shirt this morning. Uh, so we've, And uh, Naz is an Alabama fan, so... Got some Alabama testosterone in the studio this morning. Certainly an impressive performance, and they certainly look like they're headed to another national championship. Well, I think they've still got their hands full with uh, Clemson coming up on uh, a week Monday. They've uh, That's probably one team that's got the quarterback that can beat them in the wide-open, uh, wide-tempo offense. Certainly not the uh, result for uh, Notre Dame that I would have liked, but... Uh, Gave me an opportunity to watch Rudy again for the 15th time. One of my favorite You'll sports. You'll have to watch it another 20 times. <laughs> that movie makes me cry every time I watch it. Uh, someday Alabama will have a famous movie made about any of, any of its illustrious <laughs> as, as long as they have the bear there, that's all that matters. <laughs> Anyways, uh, turning topics, I just want to tell our listeners this morning, we're going to have with us this morning uh, two, uh, two fast, fabulous guests, Joe Bowen, the Voice of, of course, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs will be with us shortly. And Denny Potvin, who's the color commentator for the Florida Panthers and, of course, a Hall of Famer and a legend. So certainly looking forward to talking to Joe Bowen and Denny Potvin. Uh, yesterday, uh, over in Helsinki, Naz, um, not the result we would have liked. Uh, the post-mortems have started. Uh, blame has been going around uh, they're blaming the coach, uh, blaming Vertinen, uh, blaming the goaltending, blaming the training system. Uh, maybe they just got beat by a better team yesterday. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, Canada didn't send its strongest team. Not, not meaning they couldn't send better players, but uh, the draft year wasn't uh, good for that year, and that's what happens in the tournament, right? So give uh, the Finns credit and look for Sweden or, or uh, Finland to win the tournament. Lou, your thoughts? Uh, you know what? It, it was going into this tournament. Uh, their weaknesses were strictly on the defense and their goaltending. Uh, they, they knew they had enough firepower up front. Uh, they had a lot of guys coming back and a lot of uh, talent uh, with uh, with Marner and the boys coming coming there. So it's. I think like yesterday the Finns really showed what they have. When you have uh, I think two or three and seventeen year old kids who are rated in the top ten, uh, I think they were the bigger, the stronger team. Uh, Canadians went back to their usual ways uh, 
when they get behind and they stuck a lot of uh, a lot of retaliatory penalties, which they should, which they normally do when they start getting frustrated. And uh, it showed at uh, Dylan Strom at the end of the game and Marner punching the guy after the whistle. Uh, he can't do that over there. He might be able to get away with it over here uh, and take two guys off in Canadian style hockey. But once you get over to the worlds over there and uh, they'll, they'll nail the one guy. Lou, you've played hockey at the highest level. Um, when there's a lack of discipline on the ice, is it the player's fault or the coach's fault? It's all a reflection of the coach. Uh, I've, I've been involved with a lot of situations where uh, the, if the, the coach is calm and, and more or less down to earth and just takes everything in stride, uh, that's the way the players play. But then you got to also you gotta remember, you know, it's, it's the heat of the moment type of thing. And Dylan Strom really showed his true colors yesterday. Uh, a lot of the uh, people that I talked to is more or less, they never sh- thought that he'd have that aggressiveness, that, that fire that, that built inside him, and it showed. And uh, unfortunately, yesterday got carried away a little bit at the end of the game, but uh, at least now the Phoenix Coyotes know they got a player uh, at that size that's got a lot of fire in them that, that'll compete at, on an everyday level, especially at that level in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I read, a, I mean, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. I, you know, I read a lot of the reports where, um, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say people dumped on this team. Uh, I, I think the realization was that this wasn't as good a team as we've sent to the junior championship in the past. So I mean, I'm not so sure our expectation levels were necessarily at, at the same high level. So I certainly wasn't surprised by the loss yesterday. But you know, I kept reading things that this team was outclassed or they were completely outplayed, and uh, I don't, I didn't, I didn't think that was the case at all. I think this game, I mean, they were playing a very good Finnish team in their home rink, uh, and we were there till the last five, six minutes of the game. Um, so, to the extent that we get out, we could, it, Canada could very easily have won that game yesterday if things had have, if they had have maintained a little sense of discipline in the last 10 minutes of the game. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, they had come back, stormed back, tied the game up 5-5, and they, the Finns were about to get a penalty. And then Marner, you know, who played fantastic in the third period, decided he was going to throw a Muhammad Ali jab at one of the Finnish, uh, Finnish guys. And instead of having a, a, man, uh, a, man, uh, a man advantage... We're four and four, and then after that, the incredibly unfortunate, you know, uh, Vertinen takes two penalties on the same shift, and then we uh, and the poor defenseman, you know, throws it at 180 feet down the other end of the rink, and you got low, you got low glass, and it goes over. So, were we outclassed? No way. Canada yeah, could very this, easily have won that game. But the whole yesterday. tournament, Wally, the, the Canadians didn't play well. I mean, they were life and death to beat uh, the Swiss in a shootout. And the U.S. beat that same Swiss team 10-1. Well, you, you, so you, you, it, just, it just doesn't – they just weren't good enough. And uh, it showed yesterday. I mean, they played well, but they just weren't good enough. Well, I, I think the prepar- it starts with preparation. When you go over there, you're, you're preparing on a bigger ice surface. Uh, maybe they didn't have the proper talent to play on that big ice surface. They probably built a team to play the North American style of hockey with the players, some of the players they brought. But then you've got to look at – you know, it, it's a different style of hockey, and – Maybe they needed a two or three games to get used to playing at that tempo because of the, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a great first game. They lost to the Americans. They didn't have a great second game or a great third game. And usually you, you build up to the fourth and fifth game. And I thought that was a, probably their, their best game of the tournament. Unfortunately, they ran up against a team that's probably one of the top two or three teams in, in the country at the world junior level. And you can't do that because when you, 
when you play in the preliminary rounds, you try to end up in the first or second hole. This way, you get the better draw in the quarterfinals. And they ended up in the third hole, and they ended up drawing the first, uh, the number one team on the other side. I want to go back to a point you just made, Lou. And what, two things I found um, um, troubling uh, about this particular version of the Canadian uh, team, and I hope I hope this isn't an indication of what's coming what's coming down the pipe in the next few years in Canadian hockey. It just seemed like the European forwards are just on the big ice surface. They were just blowing by our Canadian defensemen at times, like they were just standing still. Um, and the other part of it uh, I, I find troubling for Canadian hockey is we used to we used to win these tournaments the odd time because our goalie used to stand on his head, and it just doesn't seem like we're producing goalies in this country anymore. Uh, I mean, the last great goalie that we've produced in Canada is Carey Price. That's almost 10 years ago. I mean, I know this kid in, in Washington, Holtby, but um, we, we used to be the class of the world when it came to goaltending for the longest time. Uh, you can go back through the, the World Junior Tournaments and remember the, 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 the great tournaments where we'd win because our goalie would stand on his head and stop 23 pucks in the third period or whatever. Our, our goal That hasn't happened in a while. Though. It hasn't happened in a while. Uh, and we better hope Carey Price, uh, you know, keeps playing for another 10, 15 years because I don't see, I haven't seen one in a while and I don't see one coming through the ranks. Well, I think it's just more or less, it's it's a cycle here. Uh, the Swedes, the Finns, all the players are overseas right now. You look how good the Danes played. They were, what, 44 seconds away from knocking off the, uh, the Russians, the Russians yeah, yesterday. Yeah, you're right. So everything eventually is going to catch up. What we have here is you can build three three world teams to send over there where these countries can only send one. So the, the level of hockey is catching up because a lot of those guys are coming over here and developing their skills here at the junior level. The, the coaches are getting a lot better. The skills getting a lot better. The Finns and the Swedes, I don't know where, what they're drinking or what they're eating. You know, everybody's about 6'2 and tall over there, and they're, and they're able to skate. That's the problem. <laughs> and it's not even a problem. <laughs> you, the kids here, it's the Finns used to be small and quick. Same with the Swedes. And now they're 6'2". When you get a guy that's 6'2", with that kind of skill and that kind of speed, that's just one more advantage on, on their behalf. Yeah, the other, um, I mean, I don't, I'm not here to dump upon Canadian hockey. We get, this happens every time, you know, every time Canada loses, you know, we, you know, we, we start re-examining. I don't, I don't think we have to do that. I mean, uh, we still produce the best hockey talent in the world, except maybe for this year. Uh, word has it there's going to be very, very few Canadians in the top ten in the NHL draft this year, and perhaps not one Canadian in the top five. And that's the first time that's going to happen, from what I understand, in 20 years. Um, so this it seems like we're at a little, perhaps a little low point in, in Canadian hockey right now. I mean, we, we, you know, we, had the, we had the exaltation of Connor McDavid and a generational talent last year, and this year it seems like uh, we've gone the cycle down, uh, down the other way. So... Well, at the end of the day, it, it, it's going to come down to who's going to want it more. Uh, you know, you can have all the skill in the world, and you can be drafting the first 10, 15 picks. Now we'll see uh, four or five years down the road, we'll see how good this draft actually is because that's going to be the uh, the, the drawing line right there. Um, you know, we, we can't, every every time we lose, to, especially when we don't get a medal, it, it more or less it's, okay, let's pull the system up and let's take a look at what they're doing compared to what we're doing. A lot of people have suggested that uh, we go to a U.S. development type of thing where 
we bring these kids along with, as 17-, 18-year-olds, put them to an, a small little academy out west in Calgary and, and develop them uh, like the U.S. do? I don't believe that. Yeah. We still have overall the best talent in the world, yeah, and, and that's the bottom line. It's unfortunate that the, the higher skill, and we just can't come to play at, at the level that everybody wants us, especially overseas where the hockey is a lot different. When you bring them into a North American-style rink, there's nobody that can touch us. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you. Luke Canada still produces uh, an incredible amount of hockey talent. I think we just have to accept that the rest of the world produces a lot of hockey talent as well. Yeah, they, they've caught up a long time ago. The rest of the world, there's a lot of good hockey players in the world today. It wasn't like it was years ago where it was just with the Russians and the Czechs and Canada. Yeah. It's now changed. And, you know, Louis, you mentioned Denmark. I mean, they have NHL players too. So it's worldwide, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, it's time for our uh, break, uh, and we'll be right back after the break with the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bond. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> Bond 3636. Three, no. Pound three six three six nine. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Ooh, ooh. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. <laughs> Let's go ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six. There's an old saying: Entrepreneurship doesn't build character; it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. 
Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can also listen to us on 96.7 FM. We're pleased to have with us this morning uh, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. Good morning, Joe. Hi, guys. How are you? Joe, I just want to forewarn you. Uh, we've got a friend of yours in studio with us this morning, Lou Franceschetti, who's helping us out uh, so, uh, a friend of mine, he's an Alabama football fan. <laughs> I, I, I'm thankful you came on this morning. It's been tough for me this morning, Joe, having to deal with this uh, Alabama testosterone in the studio. It's great. Yeah, it's great. I hear you. It's great to have. You know, Go you ahead. Know what? When, when you when you get your degree on a piece of a noodle, I guess that's part of it. <laughs> Anyways, it's two it's two Notre Dameers against two uh, Rolling Tides, and I I just I mentioned to these guys we've got Rudy in our corner, so uh, exactly. we've got we've got one up on him. Anyways, Joe, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs under the Mike Babcock area uh, Babcock era are um, are I doing a probably better than expected. Certainly, uh, certainly uh, a different uh, a different vibe down at the ACC, a different. Uh, Way of playing the game, and uh, your uh, your your impressions of what uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far this year, Joe? Well, uh, after a one seven and two start, in which um, uh, Mike's system and uh, uh, all of the other stuff that was being implemented was um, being absorbed, um, this team has played a very structured game. Um, I don't think you have to look much further than one player in particular, and that's Jake Gardner who was sort of um, uh, a a fawn running through the woods, dancing all over the place, uh, not really getting an awful lot accomplished. And he has turned into a very good defensive defenseman at this particular point. And I think that the structure and the uh, uh, what they are trying to accomplish both in their own end and in the other end of the rink has uh, turned Jake Gardner into a a very good defenseman. Um, And I think that's just one little area that you can kind of look at and narrow it down and say, hey, wow, there is some improvement there. So there's been some structure to their game. They play hard. Uh, you would love for them to have a little more finish around the offensive side of things. But having said that, through the month of December, they were uh, among the gold production leaders in the National Hockey League. So they're getting it done. Uh, they've, they've had their issues. They've had their goaltending problems. And yet, uh, you know, they're riding a crest right now that if they continue uh, until the trade deadline, there's going to be uh, a bit of a conundrum in uh, the office above Mike Babcock's as to what to do as far as, um, you know, the future is now, the future is uh, a ways away. Uh, what do we do with the assets that they have currently and how they're playing? Joe, the uh, the play of the Leafs has been uh, real good lately, and every player should be credited. But there's one guy in particular that I've looked at in the past three weeks, and he's become the complete player. And, and he was awesome on the back check against both St. Louis and Pittsburgh this past week, and that's uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh What do you think of his uh, play this year? 
Well, I, you know what? Everybody said that he and Bozak were riding on the coattails of Phil Kessel. Um, and, and I think that uh, you, you get a look at and see what kind of player each of them have been without the so-called uh, superstar uh, you know, riding their flank on the right wing. I think both players have played very, very well. And I think they have both demonstrated that um, there's a lot of value to them. Um, you know, everybody said that no one would be uh, would want a, a Bozak or, or even a Van Riemsdyk uh, in a trade or something. And I think that that's probably proven false. And I agree with you. I think uh, James Van Riemsdyk has played a complete game. Um, I think that uh, they're both uh, looking at defensive responsibility a lot more seriously than uh, they have in past years when it was uh, sort of the run-and-gun show. But having said that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting their points. They're playing well. They're playing structured. They're playing well in their own end. And uh, because of that, I think it's showing. And I don't think you have to look much further than the plus-minus figures for both of those players to realize that they're playing a complete game. Go ahead, Lou. Joel, um, obviously the, the structure that you're talking about was also a little bit of a fear that, uh, that Mike Babcock put into them in the first 10 games or so. Uh, by reading some of the reports in the newspaper articles, they were saying that he wasn't scared to, to bench anybody, take ice time away from certain players that deserved it or certain players that, that were getting it the few years uh, before uh, before he got here. You're talking about Van Riemsdyk, you're talking about Lupo, you're talking about guys like that that were getting all kinds of ice time, all kinds of power play time. Then it came that the also-rans, the third and fourth liners, were doing so well that they got the extra power play time. Is that a lot to do with, with Babcock's more or less just putting... Listen, boys. This is a this is a team, and you guys aren't bigger than the team is. Well, I think Louis, it's, that, that's part of it. I mean, uh, Roman Polak didn't play the first couple of games, and now you can't get him off the ice. I mean, there's been there's been issues, and there's been uh, messages sent at various times. Uh, there have been shakeup of lines and new combinations. Um, and I think I, you know what, and and, and Jim Ralph has said this uh, a couple of times. This is a great time to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The reason being is there is zero expectations. They have been preached and the, and the Kool-Aid has been drank that uh, there will be pain. The rebuild is on. It's years to come. There's not an awful lot of hope for this year. And so these guys just go out. They're professional athletes. They're professional hockey players. They're playing with structure and they're playing with and for each other and things are working out. And Mike Babcock has got uh, a fairly heavy hand uh, if he wants to play it because of zero expectations. This team is not making the playoffs. We've been told that. Maybe not in so many words, but at least everybody has drank that Kool-Aid saying it's not going to happen this year. Well, all of a sudden now, they're in a position where they've got games in hand on New Jersey, seven points or eight points behind them, and uh, they're closing the gap. And now what happens? Well, will the expectations be higher? Will, um, will they make a, a move at the trade deadline to bolster this group? Or will it be torn apart because their assets uh, and the people that you mentioned and, and uh, Leo Komarov or somebody of this nature who are going to be attractive to other uh, teams at the deadline? So it really becomes an interesting kind of a, 
uh, a problem for Lou Lamorello and Brendan Shanahan to some extent as to where this team is and what has to happen. And I think, you know, your point about having um, the ability to sit people and, and do things has certainly uh, driven his point home that you're going to have to play the way we want you to play or you're not going to play. And they can do that now because of the expectations that's on this club from, uh, from above. So uh, it will be a very interesting, uh, uh, I guess there's 24 games left between now and the trade deadline, which will be here uh, when they play at home against the uh, um, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, to see what exactly happens. Uh, we're talking to Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Joe talking about the conundrum facing uh, Lou Lamorello and, uh, and, his, and his staff about the, what they do at the trade le- deadline. There's another, uh, there, there's another uh, uh, interesting uh, cog in the, in the whole machine that may be coming down later on, uh, and I know that you're sort of close to the situation through some personal connections in, in the Markham area, of course, uh, Steve Stamkos. Uh, there's uh, the rumor. The rumor mill on him is only going to get uh, hotter and hotter and hotter. What's your sense of the possibility that Steve Stamkos may be in the in the blue and white of the Toronto Maple Leafs come next well, next fall? Uh, uh, every team in the National Hockey League uh, would uh, salivate over that, I'm sure. And and there's no difference as far as the Maple Leafs are concerned. The fact that Stephen is from here and has a wonderful home up in the Aurora area and uh, has got lots of ties here, is obviously going to um, uh, heighten that anticipation. But you're right, the longer that it goes on, that Tampa does not uh, make, uh, you know, or, or sign him, uh, that, uh, that situation is going to be heightened. And, uh, and the irony of the whole thing is the trade deadline is here when Tampa is here. <laughs> so uh, if, if, there is no contract signed. Do the Tampa Bay Lightning send him off or try to send him off as a rental player? But uh, Steven Stamkos holds all the cards because he has a no-trade clause in his contract that he has to agree uh, to where he might go. So, um, you know, the, the longer that it goes on, it only is going to get ramped up more and more. Um, and I don't and, – and the one aspect, of course, that is uh, beneficial to the Maple Leafs is the fact is – that this rebuild means that they have a lot of players on one-year contracts. They're going to have uh, ample cap space uh, when Nathan Horton's deal goes through and various other things. So unlike some teams, uh, they're going to at least be in the hunt, I would think, and certainly financially uh, with the cap, they would be certainly one of the teams that would be able to speak to him and his representatives to see what might happen. The rebuild obviously gets ramped up uh, a, a lot quicker if you sign him, even if you don't get a top three draft pick this year, because <laughs> this guy gets to play right away, and the draft pick probably isn't going to be around for two or three years. So that's going to be an interesting thing as well. So, uh, you know, that's that's the story with Steven. I, I don't have any more inside information as to whether this is exactly what he's planning on doing or not, but the longer that it goes, the more it looks like he's going to hold the cards as to what goes on and what he wants to do with his future. And uh, uh, it's going to be a very interesting situation, especially here at the end of February when the lightning come to town. You touched on the goaltending situation, and uh, Reimer's had a pretty good year, but he's been hurt a lot. And uh, Bernier, we know uh, what he's done all year. Um, 
it seems to me like it's always been goaltending is the most important thing, but it's very important around the league. And, you know, Carey Price has gone down, and the Montreal Canadiens have done uh, uh, a dive for sure. Uh, what do you think of the uh, – how do we improve the goaltending on the Leafs? How do you improve the <laughs> goaltending on the Leafs? And that's, 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 that, that's, that, 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 that's a big question. I mean, can you improve the goaltending on the Leafs with what they have? Can you improve the goaltending with the Leafs on what they have in the farm system? Uh, Garrett Sparks came up, played very well, but he's hurt. Uh, Antoine Bebo uh, was a very uh, a good junior goaltender and has played well at the American Hockey League level, but he hasn't gotten a, a, an opportunity as yet. Um, J- James Reimer, um, his injury situation and his history of injuries uh, leads you to believe that you're not sure yet. You're not overly confident, but he played exceptionally well when he was playing. And Jonathan Bernier has had the, the mental issues, if nothing else, trying to decide exactly where you stand with them. That is a, as big a question for this rebuild as any. Do they have somebody in the wings? Do they have someone currently under contract that you think can be a number one? And I don't know as we've got enough information on the other kids, and uh, and certainly I don't know as you would stake that number one job, uh, you know, for the future on any of the ones that have played this year at this point. It's the most important position on the hockey team, and uh, no rebuild is going to be complete or going in the right direction until you have somebody that can do that. And if you look through the National Hockey League. There aren't an awful lot of them, uh, and and Carey Price may win the Most Valuable Player Award this year if he doesn't play a minute from here on in, just as to what's going on with Montreal when he is there and when he's not there. Um, Lou Lamorello had the great, great uh, luck of drafting a guy by the name of Brodeur, and it was the backbone of what he did in New Jersey. Um, I'm not sure that there's one that has been selected already by the Leafs, but, you know, sooner or later, one of these kids in junior has got to, or in college have got to show that they're a, a true number one pick, and that pick's going to have to be utilized maybe as far as getting a goaltender here for the long term. I'm not sure um, we can fix it at this particular point unless someone actually raises his head above everybody else and is anointed the number one and gets to run with it and then accomplishes something while doing it. Of course, we're talking to the unmistakable voice of Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Joe, in a couple of minutes left, I want to I want to take advantage of your expertise in a in a in a related but different area. You are, of course, on the uh, Legends Row Committee of the of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which has been in the news lately, and uh, it's a topic that's been near and dear to the Nazimali Sports Hour. I know you're on that committee, and we're not going to ask you to betray any confidences. And of course, I know you're not at liberty to. Well, wait, before we go any further. No, Lou, uh, Lou Francis has not been up for consideration at this point. I have fought long and hard for it, uh, but we, we can't find a sculptor that can actually get that kind of visage uh, into some sort of a memorial. Well, Joe, we, we, we were actually thinking here of creating, there's, there's, a, there's a spot right at the end of the bench Right at the end of the bench where you put the greatest lunch bucket player. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's reserved for Ralphie. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's reserved for Joe, Ralphie. Joe, how about the bench, period? How about the bench, Joe? 
Can I be the bench? Well, you can be under the bench. <laughs> there, there <you> <laughs> Get somebody under the bench to hold up all of the other guys. I Anyways, got, maybe, finally got, I've got something for you. Maybe David. Maybe uh, maybe Waterboy. Joe. Joe. The. I'm just going to say the say the name. David Michael Keon. Uh, it's a it's a name that's been near and dear to the Nazanwali Sports Hour for the last year. We've been listening to the sentiments of our listeners. Uh, you you of course know that uh, our listeners, uh, great many of them, remember number fourteen on the ice and his great exploits from the nineteen sixties. Is it time for David Michael Keon to be on Legends Row? I don't think. I mean, he has certainly been the the white elephant in the room on any of the discussions that we have ever had. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, that he is long overdue. The issue has been David's, I think, and, and his unwillingness to forgive um, ownership of years and decades past for what's going on currently. Um, David is vehement that uh, he doesn't want his jersey honored. He wants his number retired. Um, he, he does not come back uh, to uh, be embraced by the organization unless it is with a group like the, the honoring of the 67 Stanley Cup team when he did come back. And because of this, um, it's people like you and I who remember him playing and, and love him dearly. And I, and I speak with David whenever, you know, and, and whenever I can. But the issue is that and, and I, rem- I remembered this when, when he first came back a couple of years ago and he was going to come out with the members of the 67 team or the 62 team, whatever it was. And I, I was disappointed but not surprised at the reception he got from the fans at the Air Canada Centre. Great applause, very respectful applause, but there wasn't this thunderous uh, and then two guys later out comes Johnny Bauer and the place erupts. And the love that the, the fans have had for Johnny is obviously there and, and well displayed and as it should. But for David, it's just another name. And that's really too bad. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately, David has kind of brought that upon himself with his attitude not to be a part of this organization going forward um, and, and being a member of the alumni for lack of a better term. And, Louie, you, you know how we've seen. Well, last night they had Danny Markoff at the game, and that was great, you know, and it was great to see him and be a part of that. And yet David doesn't embrace that, and that's, that's really too bad. However, having said that, I, I still have been of the opinion that, you know what, damn the torpedoes, let's go ahead and do it. If he shows up, fine. If he doesn't, he should be there. And that's uh, a, a situation that is being discussed. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes out. But there are a number of other people uh, that certainly are under consideration for Legends Row that are have as much to do uh, with the franchise, with the history of the franchise. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple of names right out at the top. How about Turk Broda? How about Con Smythe? How about Punch Imlach? How about, I mean, there's a lot of people that need to be considered as to what should be uh, unveiled, and of course, next year is the hundredth anniversary, and I know that there are a lot of things being planned, and, and a lot of things that will be uh, brought up, and certainly Legends Row will be a part of that as well. Certainly, uh, Joe, we appreciate your thoughts on that. Uh, and uh, my big bugaboo, boys, is we need a Hall of Fame. 
Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, give that, me. That's what I, 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 I've been to Green Bay, Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago. Their Hall of Fame there, Wally, is, is unbelievable. It's a tourist attraction. They play nine games at Lambeau Field, but that place is packed year-round. It's better than the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and the Toronto Maple Leafs should have something like that on the grounds in and around uh, Maple Leaf Square or the Air Canada Centre. I, I think it's an absolute travesty that there is not a Hall of Fame uh, dedicated to this franchise alone. Anyways, uh, Joe, listen, uh, you and I talked about that uh, off the air uh, the other day, and I, I thought it was a brilliant idea. So uh, to, to, to the extent uh, you can advocate that and uh, you can uh, bring that idea to the right people, we'd certainly love to see it, and so would the fans and so would our listeners. Joe, listen, we thank you very much for taking, uh, taking this time uh, for us uh, and helping me out dealing with these Alabama guys here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> No, my pleasure, Willie. Thanks. Thanks so much, Joe, and have a fantastic week. All right. See you, guys. Thank you. Take Thanks, care, Joe. Joe. That, of course, was the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. I think he's got a great idea, Hall of Fame, at uh, a Toronto Maple Leafs It'd Hall be of packed. Fame. If that was built in the city of Toronto, that would get so much. Yeah. View- there would so be so many people viewing this. It'd be incredible. Yeah. They, should, they should just build it right in the Air Canada Centre. Yeah, right in the Air Canada Centre. Right. You know, I, I saw, I went, when I was in Barcelona. What Bar- a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. I mean, I was in Barcelona the summer before, and I went to the Camp Nou is where, the, where Barcelona plays their soccer. And uh, they, have a, they have a Hall of Fame in the, in, in the stadium. And it's really a remarkable, remarkable place. Uh, and it's a tourist attraction. Uh, the day I went, there must have been at least five, ten thousand people walking through this place from all parts of Europe and the world. Um, and I just, you know, and I was talking to Joe the other day, and he said, you know, we should have a Hall of Fame, and that just clicked with me. I said that would just, that would, you know, there's so much Toronto Maple Leaf history. Maybe, you know, what you can say the last fifty years haven't been the best, but there are some things to celebrate in the last fifty years. You know, we've got, you know, maybe not so much the team, but some of the individuals that played for and the, the characters team. for sure. And the characters. I mean, yeah, we should have a place where we can honor Wendell Clark. You know, we should have a place where we can honor Doug Gilmore and Pat Burns and 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 and, and Pat Quinn and. You know, there, I mean, we've had some we've got some great people that have played for the Leafs or have coached the Leafs, and 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 you go back to the you know the Daryl Sittlers and the Lanny McDonalds and uh, the Boria Salmings and Tiger Williams and the Tiger Williams maybe not Hall of Famers but certainly Toronto Maple Leaf Hall of Famers for sure. I mean, why not have a place where we can go celebrate that? I think I think that's a I think that's a and there's only two teams idea. that could pull that off, and one is Toronto, one is Montreal. Anyways, uh, that was certainly a, a a great interview with Joe Bowen. It's always a pleasure listening to the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We have got to go to break because we've got to come back with an. Hall of Famer and legend, Denny Potvin. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. 
the best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We were we are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto and with us this morning again, once again, joining us again, Denny Potvin. Denny Potvin, of course, the New York Islanders Hall of Famer and legend and now color commentator on the Florida Panthers broadcast. Good morning, Denny. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you this morning? Just want to forewarn you, we have in studio with us, uh, co-hosting the show this morning, a former nemesis of yours, Lou Franceschetti. <laughs> Oh, hi, Lou. Good morning, Denny. Time we talked. Oh, real good. How are my boys doing there? Well, the boys are doing pretty good so far, I tell you. It's been a real joy to watch them play in December. Well, it's not that I really have a lot to do with it, but uh, Riley Smith and uh, Brandon Perry were both players that I was an assistant coach with the, with the Toronto Nats. And they had a young kid, a 14-year-old kid on that team, too, uh, by the name of Tyler Sagan. So uh-huh. uh, if it wasn't for the coach being... Uh, so stubborn on playing the top five guys 35 minutes out of the 45. We might have had a pretty good hockey team. Well, I tell you, Brandon Perry did something last night that uh, uh, gave everybody an indication the team in Florida is really together. 
uh, you know, Kreider, Chris Kreider of the Rangers hit uh, the captain, uh, Willie Mitchell, in the back and drove him into the board. Willie was okay, but as soon as it happened, Brandon Peary jumped Kreider, who was probably twice his size, and uh, got him into a fight, and I thought that was that was the old days, Lou. Things you would do. With <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking to Denis. Sorry, Denis. Now I know where he got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't get it until the end there. <laughs> uh, Denis, uh, I checked the standings the other day, and I was, I was uh, surprised that I saw Florida up in first place in the Atlantic Division. 14 of the last 17 they've won. There are eight wins in a row. What's going on down in South Florida? You know, uh, they're putting a lot of nightmares to sleep. I mean, uh, you know, they, they opened up the door, all the skeletons came out, and they took care of them. They, you know, they had not beaten the Rangers in seven games, and so they beat them last night. They had not beaten St. Louis in St. Louis nine years, I think it was. You know, they, they went in and, uh, you know, they, they beat the Islanders, which they hadn't beaten for a long time. You know, every one of those uh, those little mountains that they had to climb, they did. Those were all challenges that the media made big things about them, but they really started rolling. And it was, uh, I think the first thing was they had a three-game loss. They lost to the L.A. Kings at home, should have won that game late November. And then all of a sudden, December started. They met the Islanders, beat them soundly, and then went on from there on that long road trip. And they won five games on a road trip. It was incredible. And that's when they beat all those teams that normally they just never had a chance and going into Detroit as well. So, you know, the, the beginning of December, it just looked like a team that really started believing in themselves. And obviously the talent is there. They started showing it. Now, the, the uh, Florida Panthers do not have a goaltending issue. Roberto Luongo has been absolutely tremendous uh, since he got to Florida, really. And uh, the Leafs are having that problem trying to decide where where their goaltending is, and I think that's affected them in the standings. Um, they made, they criticized Florida for acquiring Luongo. Uh, it's really changed now, hasn't it, Denny? Well, you know what? It was, uh, you know, in retrospect, which we're always pretty good at, Dale Talon, you know, made a hell of a move. I mean, he, he took a risk. Uh, he had an ownership that was willing to uh, take the uh, the burden of a Luongo, uh, in terms of financial, that is. Um, although Vancouver had to keep, you know, quite a bit of the salary. They, they they had to pay that. But, you know, it was a risk because Luongo's in his mid-30s, and would he, would he not perform? Well, it was a risk that Dale Talon felt he needed to have. You bring back a hero, you know, who is really well-respected in South Florida, and it's one way to start building. And you sort of give Roberto Luongo who really, really needed another shot in another place other than Vancouver, uh, a chance to get it going here. His wife is from here. She's got, you know, the Italian relatives are in the hundreds that live right around this area. So everything was focused on maybe this guy will be able to help us in a big way. So the bottom line is Roberto shows up in Florida, 919 save percentage for his career. He has never been that low one day since he's been with the Florida Panthers. He's now at 928, I think it is. Denny, um, I like this team that you have down there. I compare it to a little bit like your Islander team in the in the early 70s where you didn't mm-hmm. trade away your draft choices. You, you kept them and you kept on drafting. Even in the lower rounds, you kept on drafting uh, great hockey players that can fit your system. How do you compare the two? And what has Dale done more or less to 
stay away from trading your your, your top draft picks like normally uh, other teams do when you get into trouble and you start losing. You trade away uh, one player for an aging superstar or, you know, like a Bukestad for, I wouldn't say a, a Yager, but a Todd Bertuzzi since that deal went south. Uh, and how do you compare your team here with the early uh, 70 or the mid-70 uh, New York Islander team? Well, you know, there's a little bit of history there. Uh, the fact is, it was Bill Torrey who basically said, look, you know, if Dale Talon's available, go get him. Because I like what he did in Chicago. And Bill has often said, you know, what, what Dale Talon did in Chicago is very much what we did in the 70s, meaning Bill Torrey and his staff, but with a lot more restrictions. You got the salary caps, free agency, all of that stuff. So you have to make a real commitment to a core group of players. And so when Dale got here, you know, he started drafting those young players that have come up. And now you've got Good Branson, obviously, Huberdo, you've got Barkoff. And, you know, he's made some solid trade to bring in some leadership. When I first got here last year, that's when he went and got Willie Mitchell. He got Thornton. He got McKenzie. Every one of those guys are big, big contributors. And they make that dressing room a little more special than it ever was. So I, I think that it was a mold that Talon had in Chicago, and it worked well, obviously. And Bill Torrey saw that in his new GM. A guy named Randy Sexton was the general manager before Dale Talon came in. So the, uh, and the new ownership, they, they just extended both the coach and the GM because they want to have consistency. They don't want a rotating door of coaches and GMs anymore. And all of that is coming together real well. You played in an era where you had to stick up for yourself, and uh, and you fought. You, you even fought Dave Schultz at one time. Um, the instigator rule. The instigator rule. What do you think yeah. of that rule? Well, I, you know what, I, I think that it's in retrospect again. All right, I never liked it from the beginning. I mean, I was in Ottawa uh, working with the Senators for a long time, and you know, I'd see Chris Neal, who I just love. You know, I think Chris Neal is, you know, has had a great career. And it was a perfect player for his time. Um, and, you know, he would go to the defense uh, of a Kyle Tours or, you know, a young player on his team, and all of a sudden he gets 17 minutes in penalties. It was, like, ridiculous. And the other guy wouldn't even drop his gloves. And so I didn't like it at the time, but I think when you look back on it, it was probably one of those rules that helped slow down the fighting, and it may take you know, the Chris Neals of the world out of the game from now on. You don't see much of that. So you're getting more guys now that can play. Still some fourth liners. I mean, Tanner Glass was out there last night. He had a fight with Thornton. It meant something. And I think that's where we're leading to now. So, you know, I think that, that uh, instigator rule, although I was against it in the beginning, I think I, I now see the purpose of it. Denny, I, I remember... Um... I'm not sure what, what draft it was, but uh, Dale Talon got a lot of flack, or some flack, for drafting uh, Barkoff over Seth Jones. Who's looking yeah. like a smart one now? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny you mention that, because uh, just the other day we had one of our features on the Fox Network here in Florida, and uh, the, uh, the feature was uh, the whole day at the draft when Barkoff was drafted and the interview. Uh, Barkov sitting in a room as a 19-year-old with uh, all the scouts, Dale Talon, and uh, answering the question. And the one question that really that really was a hard one, and it came from Dale Talon, he said to Barkov, you know, who is speaking English okay, 
He speaks Finnish fluently and speaks German, uh, Russian fluently. Uh, but he asked him, he says, when do you think you could play in the NHL? And Barkov looked right at Dale Talon and he said, now. <laughs> and right away, you got a sense that that kid has got confidence in himself, although he, he looks very humble. And he, he is very certain. And this month of December, it's been a huge coming out party for Barkov, and in particular with Bukestad out of the lineup for the whole month. So a lot of the responsibility went on uh, Barkov, and uh, he has been exceptional. We're talking to Denis Potvin, the color commentator on uh, Florida Panthers broadcast. So we're going to go from the young to a different different end of the spectrum now, Denis. Uh, Yermir Yager, uh, the ageless one, uh, is he is he going to still be in the NHL and collecting senior citizen discounts at the same time? <laughs> well, he's come off of his comments where he said he was going to play till he was 50 years old. And then he said, uh, I may not be playing in the NHL at 50. He's going to be 44 in February. I may not be playing in the NHL when I'm 50, but I will be playing somewhere. So, of course, he may have thoughts of going back to the KHL or, you know, maybe end up playing with some club team in uh, the Czech Republic where he's from. So I don't doubt that he will, only because I've never seen anybody that age. Of course, I didn't know Gordy Howe at that time. Uh, Chris Chelios may have been one of the few that I remember in the mid-40s and really loving the workout. I mean, living for the workout and then going out and playing. I've never seen anybody like Jagger work so hard and enjoy it so much. Off the ice. Danny, I have to talk to you about a defenseman that Florida has, and uh, he was the first pick in the draft. Did you think Ekblad would be that good? Well, you know, you know that he's got the potential, obviously, when you draft him. Uh, he's got the size. Obviously, skating ability is very, very uh, uh, underrated. He's a lot faster than you think. And he has the ability, you know, his agent is Bobby Orr, and it's funny how. You know, the guys like Orr and Coffey could go up the ice and make their play and then still come back and catch the guy who was on a breakaway. Well, Ekblad has already done that a couple of times, where he went up to make an offensive play, shot the puck, maybe it was blocked, whatever it was, but the puck went the other way, and all of a sudden it's like that racehorse down the turn, you know. He's just coming in from the outside. He's catching the guy who uh, who has a semi-breakaway or the two-on-one. So he's done some amazing things at this young age. But I think if you meet Ekblad, the first thing you think about is, this kid is really a smart kid. I mean, he's really a smart kid. And I was sitting in the dressing room one day talking with Willie Mitchell, the captain, 38 years old, 39-year-old Mitchell, and we're talking hockey. And all of a sudden, here's this kid who gets up from his seat, comes over, and pulls up a chair and sits right between us, or right in front of us, looking at us. And he said, what are you guys talking about? You're talking about hockey. And it was great because the kid wants to listen and learn as well. So uh, I think he's got a fabulous career ahead of him. Uh, Denny Potvin, uh, we want to thank you. Uh, our time has run short. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, joining us on this Sunday morning and uh, bringing us up to speed on what's going on down in South Florida. Certainly some exciting hockey being played down at the uh, Sunrise Center. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Panthers. And uh, Denny, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Well, I just got to mention, guys, uh, and Lou knows all about this, over 20,000 people in the building last night against the New York Rangers, and 12,000 seats have been sold for every game between now and the end of the year. That's without one walk-up. 
So already 12,000 seats are guaranteed between now and the end of the year. Not too many teams in the league have that. And so hockey is catching back on here in South Florida because they're winning. So well, playing in front of a full house is always great, right, Lou? Congratulations, Danny. You guys have done a hell of a job uh, down there. I, I really commend uh, Dale Talon with sticking with his guns and, and drafting the, the, the right pieces. Not necessarily the, the perfect pieces, but the, the right pieces for that uh, organization moving forward. Great. Well, thanks, and a good talk with you guys. Take thanks, easy. Denny. Thanks. Uh, that, of course, was uh, Denny Putt, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, 20,000 people last night in Florida, and um, you know what? You want you want to have a successful franchise. There, there's a team in trouble is the New York Rangers. They're in deep, deep trouble. Their defense is playing horribly, and I talked to some of the people from New York, and they are concerned. They may not make the playoffs. That's how badly they're playing. Well, anyways, we uh, our good producer, Sebastian, has given us the cutoff signal. We've got to let it go for another week on the Naz and Wally Sports. All right, Lou, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate coming down. And to you guys, Naz, Lou, and to all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.